Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. It is a pleasure for us to receive uh, Dr. Leah Fortson this morning as our speaker. She holds a PhD in clinical psychology and a Master in Divinity from Fuller Theological Seminary. She serves as one of the campus pastors at APU as the Associate Director of Spiritual Care and has recently taken on a role as Assistant Professor of Clinical Psychology, specializing in the integration of faith and psychology. And Dr. Leah Fortson believes in the transformative power of the gospel of Christ and appreciates opportunities to preach and teach across denominations and spheres of influence. Leah creativity and, and passionately communicates a message of hope as she encourages believers through the power of the Holy Spirit to get unstuck, healed from the past wounds, and to overcome the self-defeating mantras that impede progress. And so this morning, it is a great honor for us to receive her, to listen to her. And so I invite you to lean in this morning as we hear from her. And so will you help me welcome Dr. Leah Fortson this morning. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to um, be with you all today. And as both a mental health professional and a pastor, I am thrilled to be a part of this mental health focused chapel. For so long, mental health and faith just did not mix. Um, but over time, as we have grown in our understanding of scripture and the complexities of the human condition, the capital C church is finding more and more ways to talk about mental health within the context of faith. And so that's what I wanna do with you all this morning. That's the privilege that I have uh, to talk to you all about mental health within the context of faith, within the, within the context of our faith. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this opportunity to sit in scripture within community. I thank you that you are here with us. So would you guide this time, open the ears, the minds, and ultimately the hearts of these your students, that they may hear and receive um, what you are trying to say this morning, that they may grow in their understanding of you and the life you've called them to live. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard the passage we're going to sit in um, this morning. And there is no mystery. There is no suspense. We're talking about anxiety. Did you guys hear that? We're talking about anxiety. <laughs> and I intentionally um, chose Philippians 4, however familiar that passage might be. I mean, I could have used so many passages of scripture to talk about anxiety 
as we are instructed time and time again in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, do not worry. Even Jesus himself in that famous Sermon on the Mount said, do not worry. And in some translations, he says, don't be anxious. But I intentionally chose Philippians 4 because I wanted to use the passage that is so frequently used to beat Christians over the head. I intentionally chose Philippians 4 because I wanted to use the passage that we often quote and improperly apply in ways that shame people, that alienate people, and that creates an arbitrary measure of people's faith. You know, how we assume a person does not have faith or has um, limited faith if they are experiencing anxiety. And I believe that Jesus sent me here this morning to impart this message. If you don't remember anything I have said or anything I will say, remember this. The feeling of anxiety does not equal a lack of faith. Quick poll of the room. How many of you have ever felt anxious? All right, if you did not raise your hand, you either did not feel comfortable answering that question, which is okay, you are superhuman, or you just told, what is that three-letter word that starts an L, right? Because the feeling of anxiety is a, a common human experience. And this is not a new phenomenon. Although we can look at recent stats and consider how anxiety is becoming an epidemic in the United States, particularly among college-age individuals, which means that many of you, if not most of you, have or are experiencing anxiety. But no. This is not a new phenomenon. We can trace the feeling of anxiety back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember that story? You know, when they ate of that forbidden tree and then their eyes became open and they realized that they were naked and they became ashamed and then the Lord is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve hid themselves because they were naked and ashamed. In fact, the actual verbiage of that passage in the voice of Adam was, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In other words, he had a perception of his reality that caused him to feel vulnerable and that vulnerability was scary. And so he hid himself. Rather than surrendering that vulnerability, he tried to compensate. From a physiological perspective, this is often what happens within the experience of anxiety. We perceive a threat that causes us to feel vulnerable, which triggers a physiological response that causes us to freeze, to run, or to fight, which is how we compensate or attempt to counteract that feeling of vulnerability. What am I saying? The reality is, as humans, we don't like to feel vulnerable. Can I give you my definition of vulnerability? It is the absence 
of the illusion of control. In other words, it is the awareness that I am not in control. Can I tell you what often produces anxiety for the believer? It is when we attempt to control things we were never meant to control. Like the outcome of a class presentation. Or if I say hello to that group, will they say hi to me? Will they look at me like I'm crazy, right? I cannot predict, I cannot expect or anticipate the outcome of saying hello to a group of people or whether or not my parents will stay together, whether or not my family will recover, whether or not my loved one will be healed when we attempt to control things we were never meant to control, when we attempt to take the place of God in our lives, when we attempt to become like God in a way we were never given permission to, like Adam and Eve, commonly, often, the byproduct is anxiety. And so Paul reiterates this command that we have been given throughout scripture. And this is what he says in the sixth verse. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this passage. I have read it so many times, like many of you in this room. I have heard sermons about this passage so many times, like many of you in this room. And I've always walked away from reading this passage or hearing a sermon about it with the belief that all I have to do is pray. All I have to do is supplicate. All I have to do is make my request known to God with thanksgiving and I will have absolute peace. I believed that. That is until I had the experience of extreme worry and a moment of extreme anxiety. And I went before God like Paul said, and I prayed and I supplicated that big word, which, which means that I didn't just talk to God, but I begged God. I made my request known to God with thanksgiving. And after leaving my posture of prayer, I still had worry and I still had anxiety. And I was like, God, come on, come on. Your word says, if I pray, if I supplicate, if I make my petition known to you, I will have peace. How could I have done all of those things and still not have peace? Some of you have asked that very question. Some of you may have believed the lie that God doesn't listen to your prayers or that perhaps you're not praying right can I just expose that lie right now for just a moment and say that there is no right or wrong way to pray? Prayer is just communication with your heavenly father who, by the way, 
is listening attentively to hear the contents of your thoughts and your hearts. But when I ask that question, how could I have done all those things and still not have peace? I actually got an answer. Let me tell you what I mean when I say I got an answer. A thought came up for me that I believe was inspired by the Holy Spirit that provided an answer for my question. Can I tell you what that was? This was so powerful, it revolutionized the way that I viewed that passage and it even shifted the way that I engage my faith. Do you wanna hear it? I asked, how could I have done all those things and still not have peace? And the response I received was, where are your thoughts? Isn't it awesome when God responds to our question with a question? (laughs) Where are your thoughts, Leah? You see, I had only really read verses six and seven. I mean, sure, I read other verses, but I never really looked at or examined the verses before six and seven or the verses after six and seven. And because I was only looking at verses six and seven, I took them out of context and assumed that Paul was saying that prayer was like magic. I assumed Paul was saying, if I just prayed hard enough, I'll have peace. And from that perspective, it is easy to beat ourselves up when we have worry and anxiety because the enemy will tell you that you didn't pray hard enough, that your faith isn't strong enough. Now, don't get me wrong, prayer is powerful because what prayer does is prayer puts God back in his rightful position. You see, when we pray, it is our admission that we are not God, but he is. That we are not in control, but he is. That we are not all powerful, but he is. Prayer puts God back in his rightful position. And not only does prayer put God back in his rightful place, but prayer allows us to exchange our perspective for God's perspective. And so I can look at a situation and say, this is too big. This is too much. I can't do it. I can become consumed with thoughts and feelings of worry and anxiety. But after spending time with God in prayer, God often gives us his perspective that says, actually, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because it is when I am weak that his strength is made perfect. Yeah, when we participate in prayer, we are able to exchange our perspective for God's perspective. But you cannot look at verses six and seven that talk about the power of prayer without also looking at verses eight and nine that talks about the power of your thought life. Paul says, verse eight, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, 
if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what I believe. I believe that I may have subconsciously overlooked verses eight and nine because as Christians, we often shy away from disciplines. It's bizarre, right? We're disciples, we're disciples, but we don't like disciplines, right? We want to experience the miraculous, but we don't want to do the disciplines that God has given us that will allow us to live the life he's promised us. And so what Paul is saying in verses six through nine is that there's this partnership. As you pray, God brings peace. But if you are to maintain that peace, you're going to have to manage your thought life. Can I tell you how hard that is? Woo! Because many of us have been thinking in these ways for years. We've been thinking in these ways for so long that our thoughts have become automatic. We've been underestimating ourselves for so long. We've been discounting our value and the contributions we add for so long. We've been fearful of what's to come, unsure of our ability to handle the unpredictability of life for so long that our thoughts become worry, our thoughts become fear, our thoughts become insecurities without us even noticing the thoughts that started it all. And I've got to ask you the same question Jesus asked me. Where are your thoughts? This is, this is so powerful. Because I can tell you as a psychologist and a pastor that what we feel often originates from the thoughts we think. And this is complex for many of you who, for example, may have clinical anxiety But whether it's anxiety or depression or fear or insecurities, if you've ever sat down with a therapist, that therapist would provide you with the education that says our thoughts impact our feelings and our actions. And the cycle continues and continues, reinforcing the thoughts that lead to feelings, that lead to actions. Whether it's the common everyday stress or debilitating anxiety, the task for all of us is to manage our thought life. And so Paul admonishes us to think on what is true. We have to confront the lies we believe about ourselves and our circumstances with what is true, capital T, truth. If you can't determine truth for yourself, ask a friend to remind you of what is true. Talk to a pastor or your residence director or ask a mentor to remind you what is true. Go back to scripture and allow the holy word of God to pour truth over you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are chosen by God. You are, your name is inscribed on his heart. Is it all right if I just speak truth over you for a moment? He is with you and will never leave you. He is near to you, so near 
that he knows what you'll ask before you ask, and he hears your thoughts before they're formed. He is a very present help in times of trouble, and there is nothing, nothing that escapes his ability to redeem. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you were meditating on the truth Favor surrounds me like a shield. Grace and mercy follows me all the days of my life. Can you imagine the possibilities that would exist for you if you were meditating on the truth? I am more than a conqueror. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I am an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Can you imagine how you would approach your life if you were actually meditating on the truth? I don't have time to talk about each of these, but Paul says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. He says, keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And this is my favorite part. Because verse seven talks about what the peace of God will do. But verse nine talks about what the God of peace will do. Hmm. If we pray, the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. And if we can be disciplined in our thought life and in our actions, the God of peace will be with us. I don't know about you all, but I want the peace of God to guard my heart and my mind. And I also want the God of peace to be with me. I want to walk into a challenging situation knowing that the God of peace is with me. I want to sit down for that exam knowing that the God of peace is with me. I want to go into a challenging conversation with a friend knowing that the God of peace is with me. With prayer, we have the promise that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds but with discipline, we have the promise that the God of peace will be with us. I wanna encourage you to look at this passage again during your time with God. So I'm not gonna do all the work for you. This is homework, as we therapists like to provide. Um, and I want you to think about the things that are honorable. I want you to think about the things that are just and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. And I want you to make a list of some things for you to meditate on. I know the lies are easy for you to grab onto, but actually write down some truths. I also want to acknowledge that some of you have been working so hard already and it's incredible how hard you've been working to manage your thoughts and the feelings of worry and anxiety still come up for you and they feel big and they feel overwhelming. 
This is why God has given us the field of psychology and medicine that can give us the extra help we need when we need it. And so if that's you and you're like, yeah, I need some extra help. I wanna encourage you to go to your wellness center, to talk to an RD, to talk to a campus pastor and say, hey, I'm struggling and I need help. Because like I said in the beginning of our time together, the feeling of anxiety does not equal the lack of faith. Now here's the last thing I'll say, and then I'll pray for us um, to conclude our time together. It is so easy to assume that faith is a resource for everyone. When in reality, faith in God is only a resource if you believe God is good and desires to extend his goodness toward you. Then and only then can there be trust and security even in the midst of turmoil. Some of you are sitting in here and you're listening to this, but you can't fully receive the lessons of this passage because you have a skewed perception of God. Maybe you think God is mad at you. Maybe you think God is out to get you. Maybe you tried to trust God in the past and it felt like he failed you, whatever it is. If that's you, I wanna encourage you especially to talk to a campus pastor and allow someone to help you learn to see God in ways that are congruent with scripture. God is good and God desires to extend his goodness toward you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time we've had to sit in your word Thank you for the tools you have given us to overcome fear, worry, and anxiety. Help us, help us to not only pray that we might experience your peace, but help us to be disciplined followers of Jesus, disciplined in our thoughts, disciplined in our actions. And when we have done all that we can do, give us the courage to ask for help and lead us to the right form of help. In Jesus' name, amen. You all are dismissed.